0: Our scripture reading for today comes to us from the book of Philippians chapter 2 verses 1 through 11. We have been studying the book of Philippians for the last few weeks and I wanted to bring it back around today as we spoke with our confirmation class. So if you would please read along it should be printed in your bulletin but I will now read to you from the second chapter to Paul's church in Philippi. So that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. All flesh is grass and its beauty like the flower of the field. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Do you pray with me? O oh Lord, thy word is a lamp unto our feet and a light and to our path. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening, and may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. For it is in the name of your Son, our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and by the power of the Holy Spirit that we pray. Amen. Over the last couple of months, we have studied the book of Philippians under the series title, Underdog faith. Now what is an underdog? And what is underdog faith? Underdog faith is a faith that no one expects from people that no one would ever expect in circumstances that you would never expect. Underdogs take those unexpected, usually daunting circumstances and turn them upside down. So as I've said many times before, underdogs take unexpected joy and the face of suffering. They discover unexpected courage in the face of persecution, unexpected kindness in the face of great cruelty, unexpected patience in the face of great urgency, unexpected tenacity in the face of overwhelming odds, unexpected generosity in the face of great poverty, and unexpected hope in the face of tragedy. Now the title of my sermon today is Underdogs by Choice. Because confirmation is about making a choice, or rather a series of choices. It's about choosing to claim for yourself God's covenant promises that were made for you and signified by the sacrament of baptism. It's about saying for yourself and declaring, I am a child of God because of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to say a few words just to the confirmation class of 2020. I mean, wow. What a year you all have had. Today is actually, or I should say yesterday, was actually the Jewish holiday of Rosh Hashanah, the new year. And we want to celebrate with our Jewish brothers and sisters the idea of a turning of a new year. I don't know about you, I'm a little jealous. I wish 2020 was over. But you all... Have endured and prevailed and shown real underdog tenacity during 2020. I think in the future people are going to look back on this confirmation class, on the high school classes of 2020, the college classes of 2020, and they're going to think those people wear a special badge of honor. Because of everything that they had to endure, everything that was unexpected in their lives, everything that that came out of left field or from underneath, and nobody knew exactly what was going to happen. And these people, whether they're young people, whether they're kids or young adults like like this confirmation class, or whether they are adults, whatever it is, 2020 will be a year that really drew from us underdog faith. That unexpected faith from unexpected people in unexpected circumstances. And so I really want you all to understand how much we appreciate you. How much we honor what you have had to endure. And and most of all, I want to thank you, especially at your age, for deciding to stick this through. But it's not over yet. There's still a lot to happen in your confirmation process. I told you the other night when you met with the session. This is really just the beginning of your confirmation. This is not graduation. This is is matriculation. This is the introduction. This is the beginning of your confirmation process. What I believe is that even in this crazy year and for the rest of your life, the Lord is calling you not simply to be a member of the church, not simply to be a follower of Jesus Christ, but I believe that the Lord is calling you to be Underdogs and to have that underdog principle of faith. Because what he wants to see in you, what we need to see in you, is unexpected faith in unexpected circumstances. You may think, well, I'm only a ninth grader, nobody's really, really looking to me for much, but guess what? That's why you are the unexpected people who are going to provide the unexpected faith in unexpected circumstances. So let's talk about underdog faith for a second. What makes an underdog faith an underdog faith? Well, an underdog finds his or her strength from putting himself or herself under. Under Christ, under others, and under God's grace. First of all, an underdog puts himself or herself under Christ this is not just a question for the confirmation class but for all of us here what does it mean to give your life to christ what does it mean to surrender to christ to submit to christ to follow him if we look back to the to the church of philippi the book of philippians we we know historically that the the city of philippi was a roman colony that mean it means that it had a special designation it was supposed to be a little rome on the edge of the empire it was supposed to be a place that manifest everything that was the glory of rome even the glory of the emperor you see in philippi the emperor was considered not just any god but god the people the status of the people of the of philippi had been given to them by the emperor himself he had given them their city He'd given them their prosperity. Rome had given them their culture and their identity. Everything had come from Caesar. But then the gospel of Jesus Christ came along and challenged all of that. He challenged it all by declaring that Jesus, not Caesar, is Lord. And that's something we need to pay attention to right now because nowadays, even in this political season, we put messianic expectations on our political candidates. And that's something that we better keep in check. Because listen to what Paul writes. Therefore God has highly exalted Caesar. No, God has highly exalted Jesus and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What that means is that Jesus is not just one name among many names, one God among many gods, one path among many paths, one method among many methods. To be a Christian is to have all of your eggs in one basket. And I don't just mean your spiritual eggs. I don't mean just your eternal life eggs. I mean your financial eggs, your relationship eggs, your political eggs, your, your family eggs. All of those eggs entrust to Him. Paul wrote, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Beloved, the challenge today is not just caesar but every distraction that keeps us from taking god seriously every appetite that challenges god for our attentions and our affections paul says christ is of surpassing worth he's better than anything and everything else and christ jesus loves you so much that he gave his life for you to prove it he gave his life to prove that no matter what chains or baggage or fears or guilt or unfulfilled expectations you carry, he loves you. And he bet his own life on God to prove that God is infinitely greater, higher, better, and stronger than everything that traps us or threatens us or beguiles us or tempts us or scares us or confuses us. He is of surpassing worth. And so whom do you trust? Who comes first? Who gives you your identity? Who are you going to follow? Whom are you going to obey? Whom do you worship? Christ? Caesar? Someone else? Something else? No, confirmation class of 2020. Put yourself under Christ. Second, Underdogs choose to put themselves under others. Under others. What does it really mean to serve others? Paul wrote this. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. You know what? I'll go ahead and say it. Putting the needs of others above my own interests is hard. It is unnatural. It feels uncomfortable. But Jesus challenged us not just to love our neighbors, but to love them as we love ourselves, to take care of them and to take care of their needs and their families as we would our own, to seek justice, to love kindness and walk humbly with God. You know, take, it, take the example today. It is the idea of I wear the mask not just because of my health. I wear it because of your health. I don't know whether, what it means. I don't know whether it works. I don't know about any of that. All I know is that if I care about you and the off chance that I might hurt you, I'm going to wear it so that I can show my love for you. Jesus said, you shall love one another as I have loved you. I'm so glad he didn't say, do your best. He didn't say, Bob, I want you to love people the best you can. No! He said, I want you to love people like I love them. Because that's a much higher standard. It's so easy for me to get selfish and for me to get self-absorbed, and it's so easy for me just to get wrapped up in me. I've got to love people like he loved people. You know, that's, that's one of the things that I love about our former pastor emeritus, Louis Abendon. His love carried way beyond his own interests one of the things he said once in a sermon that grabbed me when i read it for the first time the other day he said powerless love is always stronger than loveless power powerless love is always stronger in the sense of being more influential more long-lasting it is eternal always stronger than loveless power one thing i didn't know until this abandoned family told me about this the other day. We, we, everybody knows that Lewis had a heart for the homeless and for the poor and the dispossessed in our city. Everybody knows that he set up great organizations, that he helped nurture ministries from Cam and Sam to even in the legacy of that to our Kingdom Restoration Lab, which is downstairs below, below our sanctuary. That can, that tradition continues, but we, he set up these, uh, these institutions To care for the poor but i didn't know about this till the other night did you know that lewis actually took homeless people home i mean it's one thing to say well we're going to set up a place for you to come and we're going to give you money and we're going to have galas and banquets for your benefit that's another thing to say come stay at my house take the shirt off my back come eat at my table Lewis didn't just talk the talk, he walked the walk. That's a challenge to all of us. And why did Lewis do it? He did it because Jesus did it first. Philippians remind us that we do what we do because Christ did it first. Paul wrote, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. We love in the example of Christ Jesus because he did it for us. He was the ultimate underdog. You know, when I was growing up, it didn't cost very much to be a Christian. All you had to do to be a Christian was to go to church, stay in school, avoid premarital sex, stay off drugs, and associate with the right people. If you married the right girl, in my case, or if you went to the right college, that was all bonus. That would, really, that would get you upstairs in heaven or something like that. It was all very cultural. If you did all those things, people would consider you a good Christian, and you know what? That was something you wanted because it would help you get a better job. It would mean you'd be... Uh, You'd have a possibility of running for political office. It meant that you were well-respected in the community. As long as you weren't seen as a fanatic, as long as you were a Christian but didn't go overboard and take it too far or too seriously, you'd get along just fine. In my generation and when I was growing up, calling yourself a Christian made life easier. But you know what? That's not the world anymore. That's not the world that you are confirming into because it's not easy anymore. Just look at the way the world talks about Christians and Christianity. From TV shows to movies to social media to college classrooms, Christianity is belittled and treated with hostility. We are in a time of steep spiritual inflation. What I mean by that is it's getting expensive to be a follower of Jesus Christ. What's it worth to you? Is it worth Losing money, is it worth losing business? Is it worth uh, affecting your relationships? Is it worth your education, your decisions? Is it worth making all those choices? Is it worth being an underdog? Paul says that it's of surpassing worth. There's nothing better. But it's a challenge to be an underdog in this environment. And yet, that is also the greatest call that he's given us. Third, underdogs, followers of Jesus Christ, are willing to do this and they're able to do this. They're willing to put themselves under others and under Christ because God the Father has put us under his grace. So what is grace? A lot of people equate the word grace with the idea of unconditional love. And so often what they mean by that is that grace means that no matter what we do, God will love us. That anything is acceptable to God, that God loves me just the way I am. But let me explain to you that grace is deeper than that, much deeper than that. Because that idea, that shallow understanding of unconditional love is really not grace. Of course, God loves you. Of course, God loves you right where he finds you, but he also loves you too much to leave you where he finds you. If he found you in a ditch, he loves you too much to leave you there. If he, loves you, if he finds you fallen in sin, he loves you too much to leave you there. So what is God's grace if it's not just a everything's good, unconditional love? God's grace is this. It's God's unfailing love. The fact that he will not leave you or forsake you. It is his undeserved mercy. The understanding that even if you mess up, he is not going to throw you away. And it is his unstoppable power that no matter what chains bind you or what hole you find yourself in, he has the power to bring you from that situation. God's grace is not just that he loves us, it is that he has forgiven us by the blood of Jesus Christ and we are in the palm of his hand, and he will not let us go. He's not going to let you go. You know what? When I made my confirmation promises, I started out with great intentions, but I wandered a bit. I let go of God, but you know what? He never let me go. And he's not going to let you go. He's not going to let you go. Putting yourself under God's grace means putting yourself under Christ, under others, and then trusting God with the rest of it. Paul says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. This is why Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And this is how he says, and my God will supply every need according to his riches riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Peace does not come from possessions or popularity or power or security. It comes from our position under the grace and providence of God. And Lord knows we need peace right now. The peace we need is not a peace that comes from denial or ignores reality or that comes from false promises that come from our culture or its critics. Rather, it's peace grounded in the grace of God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ that's where we get the peace of God that passes all understanding and it is the power of God's grace that is the power to uphold you it's the power of God's grace that will give you the power to take what could be resentment and turn it into love to take what should cause fear and turn it into courage to take what should cause cynicism and turn it into faith Throughout this letter, Paul is saying, be strong, trust in the Lord, put yourself under his grace and you will see how God takes our circumstances and turns them around for his purposes. You know, Lewis Abendon, Libby, your granddad, was smart enough, charismatic enough, energetic enough that he could have been the CEO of any Fortune 500 company. He could have been the president of of a major university he could have been a world-changing surgeon there any he could have been an astronaut if he wanted to I don't know I hold Lewis on a pretty high pedestal but you know what he chose to put himself under Christ he chose to put himself under others and he chose to live his life under God's grace. As I said, the title of my sermon today is Underdogs by Choice because confirmation is about making a choice. It's about choosing to claim for yourself the promises of God's covenant made for you and signified by the sacrament of baptism. It's about saying yes for yourself and declaring I am a child of God because of Jesus Christ. But even more important. It's a declaration that you know that you are a child of God not because of any other thing but your choice and His choice. We are children of God because of His choice. Lewis once had a friend who was a member of his church and that friend began to wander a bit from the faith and he decided that that Christianity wasn't necessarily for him. He considered himself spiritual, but he felt like religion was just a little too binding and he felt like religion and spiritual life should be something like a cafeteria where you just take the rituals, you take the rules, you take the beliefs that work for you, put them on a tray, and that's what you believe. And after the agonizing process of dealing with that person and trying to get him to come back to the church and understand what he clearly did not understand, Lewis stood up in this pulpit one Sunday and said very earnestly to this congregation, he told that story, he said, he said, my friend is mistaken because he believes, he believes that Christianity is a religion. And he leaned over the pulpit and he said, but my friends, Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. It's not rituals and rules. It's a relationship with the one who made you, and bought you, and loves you. And that's why confirmation is so important because a relationship is personal. And your confirmation today is about you taking those faiths, those those truths, those promises other people made for you, and making them personal. It's saying, I'm not a Christian because of my family. I'm not a Christian because I'm a member of of this church and I have my name on the membership rolls. It's not something I inherited from an institution or by blood. I am an underdog by choice. And why am I an underdog by choice? I'm an underdog by choice because he first chose me. Paul says, I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. God's grace requires a personal response. And I want you to know that Christ Jesus has made you his own and he wants you to make him your own because he has loved you longer and more greatly than you will ever understand. Christ Jesus made himself the ultimate underdog for our sakes. And therefore, by ourselves, uh, by, uh, by his grace, we put ourselves under him. Faith is saying that I'm willing to and I want to be an underdog. Because Jesus Christ was an underdog for me and gave up everything for me. I want to have that relationship with Jesus because the son of the living God wanted that relationship with me and claimed me as his own. And I want to make him my own as much as he has made me his own. We choose him because he chose us. And so class of 2020, I, I wish I could say things are going to get easier from this point out, <laughs> but none of us exactly knows what's going to happen. I just do know this, that it's hard being a Christian right now, and it's probably gonna get harder. The temptations are more intense, they start much younger, and there are fewer places to feel safe. But one of the vows that you took this morning is to take advantage of the means of grace. You're gonna need God's grace, you're gonna need to feel God's presence channeled in prayer and in the sacraments. You're going to need God's word and God's people to get you through and to help you thrive. But Christ Jesus chose to make you his own, and this morning you have confirmed that you accept those promises and that he is your own. So what I want you to do is to show the world of faith they would never expect, under circumstances, that they would never expect from people that they would never expect. Would you pray with me, Lord? This confirmation class has greater opportunities and greater challenges than any generation that i have known personally and maybe beyond the collective memory of those in this room yes other generations have fought wars and yes other generations have been through spirit have been through pandemics but this class oh lord is being challenged on issues of faith and truth and community and love more intently more viciously more powerfully than any other generation that that we know of and so lord we ask that that you would help them to put themselves under your son jesus christ to put themselves under others and to put themselves under your grace so that they can show the world that indeed you are of surpassing worth and that one day every knee should bow and tongue confess whether on the earth or under the earth or over the earth that jesus christ is lord to the glory of God the Father. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.